Well, good evening, everybody. Thanks for coming. Um, my name is David Jamison. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm the community engagement director here at Pathfinder Church. I coordinate um, all of our St. Louis efforts. I'm kind of the St. Louis guy. Um, so forming strategic partnerships uh, with people and organizations in our community uh, and trying to help our people um, learn and, and figure out how we can best connect with and serve um, the St. Louis area. I'm 27 years old. Uh, I have, I've been married to my beautiful wife, Emily, for six and a half years now. Uh, and we have two little stinkers running around our house um, right now named Esther and Eleanor. Um, Esther is three, Eleanor is one, and they are my two little stars. Um, when I think back on my journey, there are so many different things um, in my life that I've learned, things that have impacted me, um, and just things that have made me who I am today. I know that that's true of all of you also. For some people, you know, there's one defining moment, one lesson that was learned that shapes the, the rest of their future, the rest of their life. Um, but that just isn't me. Um, I would venture to guess that that probably isn't a lot of you either. Um, so in preparation for tonight, I wanted to sift through my life and land on something that I believe made my journey unique. Um, and so I settled on my lifelong wrestle with authority, um, and specifically in my relationship with my dad. So my dad grew up in a household with two alcoholic parents, um, my grandparents, and so he was raised in an environment where um, he never had control over anything. You know, everything was constantly out of his control. Um, and this caused him to, as he got older, have a strong need to control situations and people um, that were in his life. And when I was young, this actually worked in my favor um, because he would make things right that I had messed up, you know. He would, um, he would fix things. Um, so my dad was, is a pastor, um, and he was a pastor of a church that, like here, had a school uh, that I attended in elementary and middle school. And I would occasionally forget homework, like all the time, at school. And um, he would drive me back to school. He would unlock the building, get my books that I needed to finish my homework because he wanted me to have good grades. That was important to him. In high school, however, um, I started to see it for what it was. Um, and I started pushing back. I pushed back in the obvious teenager ways. You know, I um, stayed out past curfew. I broke every screen time rule in our house. Um, I stayed up way later than our lights off policy. Um, the list goes on. But it did um, get more intense than that. There are two instances that not only made a significant impact on me back then, um, but that changed my relationship with my parents permanently. The first happened my junior year of high school when I had just started dating my very first girlfriend and she eventually became my wife, but that's a whole separate story. Um, I had been given my first phone the year prior um, and we had a very firm 
policy in our household that phones were not to be used during school hours. Um, They were primarily given to coordinate rides to and from sports, um, which usually were after school and on weekends. Um, Well, one day, as my dad was looking over the phone bill, he found record of some texts between my girlfriend and I during the school day. Um, So when I got home from basketball practice that day, he he called me out, he confronted me um, about the texts, and I was furious. I wasn't furious about being caught, because I had been caught doing all sorts of things before that. I was furious because my dad was spying on me. I felt violated, like I was being surveilled every moment of every day, um, like I didn't have any freedom or say-so in my life. To make matters worse, I did end up getting my phone taken away for a week, um, which when you have a new girlfriend is kind of a big deal. Um, And that sent me over the edge. It turned into a week-long battle um, with me just telling my dad what a horrible person he is and, um, you know, talking to him about how he had no business keeping tabs on me like that. And even after it was resolved and I got my phone back, um, I wasn't done. I set out to separate myself from him uh, in any way that I could. Um, I asked for a new bank account that he would not have access to. Um, I told him that I felt violated and I I didn't want him um, to have access to my phone records anymore. Um, I just worked hard to shut him out of anything I possibly could. The second instance was actually the following year. Um, It was my senior year of high school, and it was actually a result of the first instance. Now that I knew what was going on, I was hypervigilant about um, making sure that I was autonomous, you know, making sure that nothing was, was overseeing me, that I wasn't being monitored anymore. But that didn't happen. I later found out that my dad was still tracking uh, my phone interactions, so much so that he was making note of how late my girlfriend and I would be texting each other. He called me out again and made a new rule that we needed to stop texting each other at 10 p.m. every night or I would be grounded. And I lost it. I sat down to write him a letter, which I never wrote anything, much less a letter, um, just demanding that he stop trying to control my life. Um, In that letter, I was was not pulling any punches. Uh, I threatened many things um, if he didn't stop, but the biggest threat was that if he didn't stop, I would limit any interaction (coughs) or relationship with any of his future grandkids, if, we, if I had any. I didn't hold anything back. I was relentlessly pushing back against what I felt was excessive control over my life and my future. And so the next morning, I, I put the letter on my parents' bed before school, and I left. And then I got home that day. My dad asked to speak with me in his room, so I walked upstairs with him, and my mom was sitting there, 
and you could tell that she, I could tell that she had been crying. Um, my dad pulled the letter out, and we talked for at least two hours. My mom was constantly sobbing, um, asking why I would ever threaten to keep her grandkids away from her. Um, my dad cried, which he rarely cries in general. Um, he expressed how incredibly hurt he was by this letter. They both did. And it was so blatantly obvious to me, um, sitting in their room, on their bed, crying, watching them cry, that I had gone way too far. I had crossed the line from normal, independent teenager to trying to remove what I viewed as toxic charity at any cost, no matter what it cost, no matter who it hurt along the way. My parents made it very clear that day that they loved me, but they were not at all happy with me. I find myself replaying this conversation in my head every once in a while. Um, it left me in a constant state of trying to avoid any situations like that, try to avoid any oversight, any um, control over my life, any authority. Um, I believe it actually is what led me to seek out jobs where I had flexibility and autonomy above anything else. And sometimes that was a good thing, and sometimes it wasn't a good thing. Um, it worked out really well in college when I found an internship that taught college students how to um, run their own uh, painting businesses. Um, so I, I got a, you know, I hired a crew of, um, of two crews of four people. I sold um, $58,000 worth of painting services in one summer, and I ended up in the top 15 of all college kids in the country. Um, it was a very challenging internship. It wasn't easy, but it helped me see that I can accomplish a lot when I'm empowered and if I set my mind to something. The time it didn't work out as well was when I took a job at Northwestern Mutual right out of college. Great company, by the way. Um, I loved the idea of doing the same thing that I did in college, building a business where I was responsible for my own schedule, I was responsible for my own success, um, only this time it didn't work out so well, and there was a lot more at stake. I had a wife, um, she was a teacher at the time, and we had a mortgage that surprisingly needed to be paid every month. Um, and being a 100% commission job, it's, it's feast or famine. You know, there would be months, there was one month that I made over $10,000, and then there would be months where I would, more months, where I would lose two to $3,000. Um, by month six, we were a couple thousand dollars in debt. I didn't think much of it. You know, I had a couple more phone calls a day, a little more elbow grease, and I'd, I'd pull it out. Um, a year and a half after starting at Northwestern Mutual, my wife and I had $10,000 of credit card debt, and my business had gone absolutely nowhere. Then we found out we were having a baby. Congratulations. Uh, exciting and terrifying at the same time. I knew it was time to find something else. Um, we just couldn't keep going like that. Uh, I was massively in over my head, and I didn't know what the heck I was going to do about it. 
Thankfully, I had some connections um, from my college days that helped me land a, an exciting and well-paying job in software sales at a startup in downtown St. Louis, um, and it's been uphill from there. Um, while I was working there, my wife and I made a crazy and kind of stupid decision to start tithing the full 10% for the first time ever. Um, and ever since we submitted our finances and our provision over to God, it's been ridiculous how fortunate um, we've been. That was yet another thing that I had to relinquish control over. Um, I couldn't provide for my family on my own. I just, I couldn't. You know, they, they say that the proof is in the pudding, and we were a mess before, we were a mess financially before we started giving 10%, and after that, we are much less of a mess um, ever since we started giving some of our money back. It may seem small, but that was one big step for me toward understanding how I need to submit. Um, I learned that when I try to tackle things by myself, it doesn't always turn out great, and sometimes it can actually be pretty catastrophic. At this point in my life, I'm still trying to figure out what authority means to me. Um, And what makes it even tougher is that I really do know the answer. (laughs) I do. I know that I need to fully submit my life, my finances, my relationships, my career, um, my everything over to God as the the only perfect authority, the only person, the only one who can lead me in a perfect and holy way. I know that I feel less confined, less um, limited, and freer when I'm able to do that. And I know this because I've experienced it, and it's amazing. Um, This church has actually been instrumental just in helping me understand myself better, um, in challenging me and helping me see what I'm truly capable of when I um, rely on God, and in helping me resubmit over and over. Um, and it's incredibly, it's incredibly freeing and empowering. I, I do believe I have a much better uh, relationship with authority now, but making that daily decision to submit is much, much easier said than done. Um, I still get in a rut, and I start feeling overwhelmed or trapped, and then I realize I've been putting too much on myself. I've been putting too much on my own capabilities and instead of letting go. I, I still think back on that conversation with my parents 10 years ago, and it just makes me sad. It makes me sad that I lashed out in the way that I did and left a wound so deep. Nowadays, my relationship with my parents is amazing. Um, it's not perfect, obviously, but it is so much deeper and so much more meaningful than it was 10 years ago. And I believe that God has allowed me to see through my journey that my dad's weaknesses, we all have them, don't need to define or limit the kind of relationship I can have with my heavenly father or my earthly father. And that I can trust God always wants what's best for me, that he will never steer me wrong, and that he has more for me in the future.
As I continue on my path, I will seek to submit to God's authority in everything I do. Uh, And as often as I can manage that, I know that I'm going to have peace with my dad and even the other authority figures in my life. But I also believe that God can use me to be a positive authority figure for my two little girls and anyone else who may end up looking to me for godly leadership. Thank you. Truly, David, thanks for being up here and being vulnerable with everyone sharing that, that piece of your history and how it's even led you here today. Uh, in just a moment, uh, again, if you uh, got one of the cards on your way in or if you need one, you can raise a hand and, and Corey or one of our volunteers can get it for you. Or if you've got a notebook of your own, I'm going to give you an opportunity to reflect on what you picked up on, what you noticed in David's story and, and, and where that actually now connects with your own uh, and, uh, and so I'll just share a couple of things that uh, uh, I've noticed or thought of while you were talking, and this is what I'll be spending my time here in a few minutes uh, just pondering more deeply for myself. But um, the, the first is just uh, the amount of empathy you're able to show your dad. I think that's um, uh, such an important part of this and makes me just respect you a lot uh, more as well because um, it's so easy to react to the people that we feel are controlling with us as their own just kind of separate entities uh, but for your understanding to know where he came from, how he got to that uh, place of needing to control and protect. Um, because what was interesting to me was that, that basically you and he reacted to your circumstances in, in kind of opposite ways. Uh, that your dad's reaction was uh, to try to control family, control things around him, maintain a safe environment. Uh, and so then your reaction to that control was to just pull as much out of that as you could. And I, I, I got to tell you, I really empathized with that. Uh, the moment, um, the two moments that, that clicked with me was where you wanted your own bank account. Like, that's it. I'm not, um, like, that was a, um, a big thing for, for me, too. Like, the moment where I realized that the account my dad helped me set up, he still to this day has signatory power on that account. <laughs> it's like, I probably should get around to... <laughs> opening a new one. Um, but then also just the, uh, that when, when we are hurting, when we're, when we're feeling trapped and, and like people are leveraging, we, we have control over other people too, right? And, and you more than anyone, you knew where to hit them, where it would count, like that, that line about the future grandkids. Like I don't even have to, I don't know your parents. I don't have to know them to know that, oh, like that was gonna, gonna hit them hard because um, even in that moment, you weren't powerless. You, have, you had control, uh, and you and you had ways to use it, uh, and in that instance, that's how you used it. But I think part of what uh, I, I then heard for the rest of your sharing was uh, how you found you found ways to use that control in different ways. Uh, and so, to that end, what I'm um, what I'm going to be spending some time reflecting on, and encourage you to reflect on this or anything else that jumped out to you as well. But uh, but that there is this tension between the the human control that feels so limiting uh, and, and keeping us stuck. And this divine authority that God says if we actually trust him, if we submit to him, actually makes us far more free than if we just try to control ourselves. Uh, it's, a, it's a paradox. It's a, it's a holy tension. Um, and so what I'll be thinking about now is just what does that look like for me? What are the areas that I still 
cling to control over um, because of my own interpersonal damage, because of the, the wounds that I've received from others who have tried to control me, uh, and how has that tainted then my ability to engage with God in, in a way that's truly freeing, life-giving, and, and saying, that yes, when, when humans try to control me, it, it's limiting and it's trapping and it's for their agendas, not mine, but submission to God's authority looks so different. And in fact, it's the thing that lets me overcome limits. That was something else that you shared that, that hit me powerfully, that we are limited by our own weakness and our frailty and our need to control, but it's in submitting to God's authority that those limits go away. So anyway, thank you, David. You've given me a lot to chew on here for the next uh, five minutes or so. And for you, again, please get out a pen or there's pens in the seats around you. Take a few m- moments. What is God telling you right now today, whether it was from the reflection of Jesus' interactions with the Pharisees and what it means that he brings new wine and a new garment, that he makes things new, or even what David shared, just our own relationship with control and what it looks like to submit to God versus other people in our lives. So take a few minutes, just wrestle honestly before your God. God.